Welcome back to Unedited, the podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Lauren, and we're here doing episode 19, and I'm joined by a woman named McKenna Baum, who is someone I just, I love so much, and to me, every time I get in her energy, it is just so representative of a human being that is just bright and soulful and playful. Every time we have conversations, I just feel like my cup is so full and I've met more of myself by being in her presence. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, McKenna. Wow, thank you for that. <laughs> I feel so <laughs> just having that introduction. Yeah. <laughs> for, thanks for having me on this today. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Um, so I want to just open the floor to you to introduce yourself, let us know who you are, what you're about, what your work and art in the world is, and um, yeah, just so that you can get to know the community and they can get to know you. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that, uh, you know, I knew from the get-go, you let me know from the get-go to, to have some sort of bio or explanation of myself, and it was literally like on my to-do list for a week <laughs> to like write it out. Um <laughs> Because it does, like you said, I feel like it, it changes. Things that I've written out a month ago, three months ago, just don't resonate anymore. I feel like it's so I – want, I want to have the most accurate explanation uh, possible. So I will, I will take that opportunity right now to just sort of tune in to what is the right thing to say or what feels best right now. Um. I call myself an embodiment guide. I feel like that's the most uh, succinct way to explain it. But embodiment, I think, means something different to everybody. And that's a term that mm -hmm. a lot of people are using right now. So I'll explain what that means to me. Um, embodiment to me is really about like being present in our body and present for sensation and emotion. So to me, embodiment or, or what I feel that I do and that I believe I inspire and help other people to do as well is to really be with what is and to be really like alive in the moment and not trying to change how we're feeling, but really like being with it and accepting it. And um, I think that that acceptance, that uh, that willingness to just feel it sort of births a natural excitement and gratitude for the life that we're living. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I feel like being present, especially in your body, which I know for a really long time, I was very like up here in my like upper <laughs> elements, I suppose. It's taken me a while to be very practiced at, like you say, being able to actually like feel and sensitize to what's mm -hmm. happening in reality in your body. Mm -hmm. And it's such an art form to be able to facilitate bringing mm -hmm. people into that experience and guiding them through the process of creating safety, the process of creating relationship. And then coming to that space where that experience gets to actually start being fun. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to know a little bit more about the backstory of what brought you into this kind of work and, and play. Yeah. 
what an interesting question. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I feel like what I'm finding is my my whole life is just a continuation of coming back home to myself. Like I continue to see like nothing mm-hmm. is new to me. Like the way that I feel, the way that I am, I think even the way that I to some extent interact with people, like it's always been like this and it's just me coming to realize uh, you know, deeper layers of it again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I mean, what really like brought me to, I guess, actively like doing this with other people or sort of like doing this as an, as an offering or as kind of like a gift to others. Um, I definitely started more in like the, the spiritual realm. And I think the feeling that I had was just like, there has to be more to life than what we're being told. <laughs> like there has to be more, mm-hmm. like I've always like felt that, that like magic in life. I've always like known it's there. I was like a firm believer in Santa Claus. You like could not convince me otherwise. <laughs> I was like, magic is real. I, I know it. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and so I think I I sort of went on my own journey of of figuring out how to get to that place and and the anchor that's sort of brought me home to myself again and again really is that feeling of yeah, I don't know, of experiencing life as being magical and different life activities have brought that to me. Um like sort of starting mm-hmm. into spirituality and now I feel like it's just my mundane human experiences I'm like you know staring at a cloud and I'm like wow like crying that's the most amazing thing (laughs) yeah Yeah. I think that's like one of the most profound pieces of cultivating the ability to be present is like you actually start to notice the nuance and the beauty and the magic and just the like miraculousness of the most insignificant things around you. And like you said, like you could be like looking at a flower or like looking up at the clouds and just like, it'll just hit you differently. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, so in the spirit of presence, what are you very present with right now? What feels really like real and alive and just like moving you right now? Yeah, what's been really, uh, what I feel like life has been initiating me into recently. Um, sort of like redefining my relationship with pain and with suffering, which... Mm-hmm. To expand on what I even mean on that, I think it doesn't have to be some big, dramatic, traumatic experience. It's even in like pain and suffering can be like that, that constant low key anxiety that's in the background, you know, basically whatever is uncomfortable. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really easy to like be in this space of embodiment and appreciation and gratitude when like everything feels nice. Uh, and I've mm-hmm. been, I've been blessed to to live a life where I feel like 
at the very least, my perspective often brings me there. I often feel like that's, that is how my life is. Um, and like a week ago, I just, I was just got kind of put through the ringer for no particular reason. It was just, well, divine intervention, if you will. I'm sure there was a reason, but not one that I know of <laughs> explicitly. Um, yeah. And I just really, it was like a solid week of, man, just so much anxiety, so much doubt. Just, it, it was kind of that feeling of, I've just worked so hard to get to this space. And now all of a sudden I'm in all this discomfort and I'm trying to tell myself like, you know, you haven't lost any of it. Like I'm trying to, to hold myself there, sort of like expand my capacity, but I still have that voice that's like, oh man, you really lost it. That's it. You went back to square one. <laughs> uh, and it was, it was very, very uncomfortable. Um, and it wasn't until literally like two days ago that I, so basically like I got through this experience and what I've really been working on, like the, I guess the action that I've been really implementing is coming to a space of neutrality. So like being able to be in that pain and not labeling it as bad, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So I went through those the, that week or so. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so in in that experience of like coming back to neutrality or, or calibrating as close to as you could, what did like – what did walking yourself through – those like peaks or valleys look like for you as you were like in it? Yeah. Uh, It's a lot of, it it looks like a lot of wrangling my mind and sometimes like (laughs) telling my mom, my mind to like shut the fuck up, like go away, you know, like explicits needed to just stop. Um. So there's a lot of conversation I'm having with myself to sort of like, uh, you know, stop those thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I will also say um, I have learned that you can't you can't win an argument with your mind. Like you can't your mind will always have more what ifs. You know, it's like this endless pool of you can't you can't win in that way. And so the other thing mm-hmm. I've really been practicing is instead of even trying to explain my way out of it or convince myself or sort of like go the route of the mind, I just go straight to my body. I know if I take a couple of breaths, it'll lower my heart rate. It usually helps to quiet those thoughts. And I don't even have to like have a conversation with my mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I've been noticing as well, like in the last – I want to say several months, you've really centered play and movement Mm -hmm. in your life um, just with different like activities or different maybe environments that get to challenge you or call you into newness or or fun or levity. Um, Is that a part of you walking yourself through these experiences as well? Yeah, definitely. I think when when I have all of that energy that usually gets resorted to a mind that is anxious or suffering Mm -hmm. or 
you know, whatever, that getting into my body is one way that I can sort of channel that energy (laughs) that feels a lot better and probably moves it more easily through my body too. Yeah. Yeah. I find like, I find that's like my go-to if I'm feeling stickiness is like any form of play, even if it's not allowing me to maybe access the deeper layers or the like maybe more emotional stickiness, it actually just will start the process of being able to like touch on it and start to pull it up and pull it apart. And I find for me now, and this wasn't the case prior, like I used to I used to be in like a seeking space where there was always something new to uncover, always like deeper excavation to do. And it was just very like, I was serious all the time. And I'm finding now the more I resort to play as a tool and an avenue to walk myself through experiences that can feel confronting and crunchy and sticky – it, it becomes easier to actually work with those underlying emotional experiences and mental experiences. So yeah, I, I would love to get your lens on like play as a tool for embodiment and, and processing and all of that. Yeah. Well, I think that, I think that play reminds us that we're just here having an experience like it's not serious (laughs) our mind our mind does really like to make things serious like I have to go through the hard emotional work to like earn my way to have my healing (laughs) um and I I mean my perspective is really that like that we are we are just here to have an experience we are just here to like be in that that play and sort of see what happens. So if we can do something that sort of brings us into that space, I don't know, I guess I think play is a really um, powerful conductor or mover of energy. And it comes Mm -hmm. from a much different place than we tend to move energy. I think it comes more from that, that heart space. There's like a simplicity to it. Yeah. And I, I, one of the things that I really recognize, especially as I, I witness, witness myself and witness other people, is that as we go into like adulthood, we often forget how to play. There's this disconnection between like doing something just to do something for the joy of it, for the levity of it, just to experience yeah. a new way of being in the world and, and having life come through you. And I had to really relearn the art of play after, mm-hmm. especially after so long, just immersing myself in, well, adulthood especially. Like I went to business school and immediately went into like home ownership and career and all of those things. And I think that's that's like the fast track to forgetting how to play. But it's also present in the spiritual communities where there's just this austerity to the way you have to approach energy and your being and working with God or being with other people where there's there's not enough room at the table for that inner child that 
lightness, that joyfulness. And in that, to me, that's where creativity is born. Mm. Yeah, agreed. I think that that, that <laughs> the irony is that that space of play is probably where we're all trying to get to. <laughs> all of that seriousness yeah. and hardness, we're trying to get to this space where like, where, you know, source just like flows through us where we're just overflowing with with new creative ideas or and expressions and that and exciting moments um but what i Mm -hmm. as you were speaking to like what what came to mind is i i think one of the reasons why the theme that i see in all of that is safety like in order to be in a space of play we have to feel safe Um, And even just thinking Mm -hmm. about like, you know, if you were to play with money, for example, like, I'm just going to buy this because like, I want to have the experience of, you know, I'm going to buy those three extra pairs of shoes because like that feels exciting. And like, that feels playful, you know, I can try different things on. But there is that that piece of, okay, but do I have the money for it? Am I going to am I going to be provided for elsewhere? Like we have to have that sense of, Mm -hmm yeah, of truly feeling safe and provided for to be able to like open up like that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so true. Um, What would you say for you has been the greatest barrier to feeling that safety and being able to like really open into play? Hmm. I feel like I got to sit with that one. (laughs) will you will you ask me that question in a different way (laughs) yeah of course so I suppose what I'm trying to get at and pull pull you into playing with is what what are the I guess foundational experiences that create non-safety for you that you've had to work with to be able to access playfulness? Mm. Yeah. Um, for me, I feel like it's that that sense of scarcity, of, of not enoughness. Ooh, and of um, – mm-hmm. this is a big one for me – not being prepared. Oh, my gosh. That's what it is. That's why I'm resonating through my body right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling like I need to what be. What does that pre- look like for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, like, uh, okay, this is a good example. Coming to this podcast, uh, I didn't do this today, <laughs> but in the past, I might have been like, okay, what are we going to talk about? Like, I need to be ready. I need to have my answers ready because I don't want to be caught off guard and basically like feel foolish or be embarrassed or I suppose be rejected. Maybe that's what's at the root of this is that rejection. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) go ahead. That's one of the things that I love about choosing this format for the podcast is like it's – it can be really edgy to go into a room – without an agenda, without any form of scripting or guidelines or structures and sensitize to yourself and sensitize to the moment and just feel okay enough to let expression 
happen. Mm -hmm. And there's a very intentional reason behind why it is unedited and unfiltered and unscripted Mm -hmm. and all of these things. Because even for me, that feels sometimes really limit hitting. And just like you, I'm like, okay, like what if I say something stupid or like what if the conversation doesn't flow very well and there's like awkward pauses or I didn't phrase something how I would have preferred to or there's no chemistry between me and the person I'm talking to. Sometimes that can feel like it's happening as you start to like begin the conversation and – it's just really being able to like, okay, I can I can feel all of these like ruminations coursing through me, these scenarios, these what ifs. And can I lean into that even more and just like soften? And even in the face of awkwardness or maybe frazzled connection, can this moment still be perfect the way it is? Mm-hmm. yeah 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 a big um a big concept I think that has helped me navigate safety and it's or lack of safety in its varied forms like already as I was explaining that before you see like how many different ways it it comes out yeah um, <laughs> it is it's that idea of of divine perfection that's something that is really, really angry me is, is whatever happens is exactly as it was meant to happen or it wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's really well, I think every, every circumstance is a calibration point where you get to like bring, take in the data of that circumstance or situation or experience And on the other side of it, you can choose what you want to create more of from that experience and what you want to like put down. And I think that's like a really fun process when you can start to disentangle yourself from the emotional discomfort of experiencing the like the choice point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, I want to get into – so we we talked about the unpreparedness, the rejection. I want to go into scarcity. Okay. <laughs> how does that – yeah, how does that land? How does that – how has that threaded itself through your life experiences? Yeah. Oh, I have such a perfect example for this right now. That's very aligned <laughs> in my reality. Um. Yeah, so I think I think the uh, most obvious connection to scarcity is around money, and uh, mm-hmm. I definitely it's been I think it's a long journey for everybody to explore their relationship with money, especially in that space of scarcity and fear of not having enough. And uh, you know, I lived my whole life; I have literally always been provided for. I mean, I would, I believe that we all are always provided for, but I've not ever really been in a space of, of truly even not having the means for something. And yet there was still this sense of, 
oh my gosh, I could run out. Okay, I need to be prepared for if something happens, like this sense of worry around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like something that I explore is like when I look at my bank account, maybe it doesn't look the way that I want it to look, but I always have exactly what I need. Like when there, when I want something, I have the money for it. And maybe when I have less, I don't want that thing. So it's not a problem. Like, so the thing that happened recently that literally happened yesterday is my air conditioning broke in my car. And by the way, it's 112 degrees here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a non-negotiable, like, uh, yeah, you got to get that fixed. And I, like, I didn't even, I've gotten to a space where I didn't even, like, worry about it at all. I was like, I need to take it in because you know what? I, I'm i going to have to pay for it one way or the other. So why even get worried about it? I need a new air conditioning. It's just that. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I went to a car repair shop and um, I have a warranty that I paid for my car, what I got with my car a couple years ago. It was going to be $1,300 to get my air conditioning repaired, and my warranty covered all of it. Of course it did. (laughs) Yeah. And I didn't – and I was – I was reflecting like, wow, I didn't even worry about it at all. I just was like, one, I need it, so I'm not going to worry about it because it's going to happen if it needs to happen. And I'm provided for. I have what I need. And then it's like I didn't even – I could have sat there and been like, oh my gosh, $1,300, that's going to be out of my account. Okay, do I need to move things around? What if I don't have enough money next month if I want to do something? And I didn't do any of that. And it's almost like it didn't even happen because it was just like, just done, provided for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I was having a moment with this, literally this whole week actually, um, where I I wanted to invest in this this tool, this healing tool that I have. Well, first it started to just like come into my field really mm-hmm. um, aggressively almost. It was just like everywhere all of a sudden in the last two weeks. And, and then a girlfriend of mine um, invited me over to actually try it. I've been having a really bad like chronic back pain flare up this week. And so I went to try it and in the last week there was just this like, I know this is something I desire. Like there is no shadow of a doubt that it's something that I feel really called to work with and it was a big investment. And um, much like you, right, there was a process of like seeing it for what it was (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then in the past – I probably would have spiraled a little bit at like the thought of, oh my God, like this is a, it's, it was a huge investment um, up front. And I just kind of sat with it and I was really recognizing that, like you said, every time in my whole life, every time I have had a sincere heart led desire or have really been called towards an experience, a hundred percent of the time it's worked out and it's like, it'll sometimes come from the most unexpected portals where the money will show up or 
even like a couple months ago, there was this one jumpsuit that I really wanted and the company that makes it had retired that design. And I scoured everywhere. I scoured Poshmark. I scoured Depop. I scoured Facebook Marketplace. I emailed the company and I was like, please, is there any way you have this one piece and this color and this size? And I just hit no, 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 no everywhere I went. And the moment I decided to just like put it down and be like, you know what? I don't need to control this. I don't need to force this. I've I've placed my request with God. I'm just going to move through life as though it's already been fulfilled, as if the fruition has already happened. I felt this nudge to go into this shop that's a block and a half away with my partner. We were on the way to the post office to drop something else off. And I don't know why I felt compelled to go in there. But lo and behold, this jumpsuit was there on sale, right size, right right color, last one. Like the wholesale, they the brand doesn't even wholesale anymore. So that store would never have been able to get any more of their items. And it was just one of those moments where it was like, okay, like a really tangible reminder that as soon as you stop like white knuckling and you leave a little bit of space between your fingers, so to speak, there's actually room for things to come and go and you will actually get to experience things a lot more gracefully and easily and peacefully when you're not trying to drive its fruition. <laughs> um, but yeah, like just like you said, it's like how how easily can you name your experience mm-hmm. and how quickly – can you calibrate to surrender? And surrender doesn't necessarily mean doing nothing or quitting or folding like a cheap tent. It's just like you just show up to life mm-hmm. and you trust and you move as yeah. though God is moving in your favor. Yeah. Yeah. And and something I want to, I guess, like clarify or bring into this conversation is like, we both just gave very tangible examples, Yeah. (laughs) but it doesn't, you know, I find that more often than not, like, you know, what was really like behind that jumpsuit was maybe like just your, your desire to have something beautiful, right? It was like this, this pole that you like magnetized to it. Yeah. There was like an essence of it was like a part of one of my mood boards that I had created as I was revitalizing the expression of my business. And it was just like one of those things that in passing you just kind of like put on a Pinterest board. And I had like become borderline obsessed with it for a while. I was just like, oh my God, like the magnitude of the desire not to have this thing but to experience the essence and the feeling behind it was just like it was like emanating out of me like nothing else <laughs> and i think when like i said earlier like i was very specific about when it's an organic heart led desire it hits differently than something that you're like conceiving or thinking about when you can actually like get into the experience energetically, emotionally, and start to actually connect with the frequency that underpins 
the experience you're seeking, mm-hmm. that's when it actually starts to like move matter. That's when it mm-hmm. starts to create fruition or co-create, I should say. And that to me matters so much more than like the superficial thought forming that a lot of the times we do. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think like in that, in that example, like there was something about having that particular material item that was impactful, but you know, I'll I'll Mm -hmm. sort of bring this back a little bit. The, what I was sharing earlier about the, the pain and discomfort that I was navigating a couple days afterwards, I had this two days ago. So recently, um, (laughs) I had this moment of like, holy cow, that experience that was so uncomfortable brought me literally exactly what I've been asking for. Like the, the level of embodiment Mm -hmm. that I have been trying to inch my way towards, like, like that is what my heart has been on fire about what I've been, if you will, like asking God for what I've been calling in. And in that moment, I was like, this is terrible. What's happening? Like I couldn't, you know, it was like I was in the mix. Like I couldn't see straight. And then two days after having this moment hit me, like it wasn't even, it wasn't about the experience. It was, but it was the fact that that experience actually brought me what I was asking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, this is something that I I often speak to, especially with my one-on-one clients when we're working towards their vision or the fruition of their vision is life is going to qualify you by initiating you into experiences. And your ability to remain devoted to the initiation process your ability to allow yourself to be qualified is what creates openness for the fruition of your vision to happen. And it's going to happen in expected and unexpected ways. It's going to come out of left field sometimes where you will not have created connective tissue between something you're experiencing and something you're desiring until you've had the grace and the surrender to just move and lead yourself through it. And it can be really hard when you're in that like middle space Mm. where you feel like you're misdirected. Like this doesn't make sense to me why this is happening. And I mean, I can speak to this as well from a pain perspective. Like right now I'm, I'm literally in the middle of having a really epic back pain flare up And they've become so much less frequent and so much less intense. And my practice, every time this comes up, in the past, it would have been um, almost like this like firefighting response of, oh, no, I'm I'm going backwards again. Oh, no, I'm re-experiencing this whole circumstance again. And now – as I'm taking my own medicine, (laughs) it's more of a, okay, like how can I be very present with this pain and recognize that this is life initiating me? This is my body 
calibrating itself and operating in its divine intelligence and wisdom to create what I desire. And no body desires to be in pain. Like that's not <laughs> that's not the way that we're blueprinted to experience life. And so what I'm noticing this time around is that the way that I'm experiencing this pain is radically different from the last because there's space for it to just be what it is. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I want to oh, pull my something. pleasure. <laughs> I want to pull something that yes. you just, I literally like wrote it and scrambled to write it down on my phone. I was like, I need to remember this. You said devotion to the initiation process, like devotion to the process. That to me is the practice of embodiment. It, you're not yeah. applying morality to it. Like you said, like in, in the way that this, this go round of your back flare up is different, right? You're just, you're just letting it be pain and nothing else. And you're in that space of trust that, whatever this experience is for you is is bringing you exactly what you're asking for and it's just i feel that the key in all of this is i mean it is that trust is that like i'm just gonna keep walking forward and know that that i'm getting somewhere epic you know that i'm on the path already i'm already doing it yeah yeah and i mean I was just recently um, – I haven't even finished it. I've just been so slammed. But I ended up purchasing Melanie Ann Lair's Invisible Offer this go-round. This is like one of the first containers I've ever experienced with her. And within it, she speaks of like context and the way context influences what – ends up coming to you and how you experience it. And so when you have a tiny context, so for example, in this mm -hmm. situation, if my context was, I want to feel better tomorrow, mm -hmm. there's, there's a very small and limited timeline. There's a very small and limited capacity for change to happen within that timeline. There's a lot of things that could fail when the context is as small as this needs to be fixed tomorrow. But to your point, right, when, you're, when your context, and she uses this personally, is I want to experience growth and expansion over a lifetime, there's no limitation to that. You can't poke a hole in that because every single thing you're experiencing is and can be in some way contributing to your experience of growth and expansion over a lifetime. And it also starts to collapse the neediness around it happening a certain way in a certain timeline. And this to me on the embodiment journey is how you experience what everyone desires, the quantum leap. This is how you collapse time. This is how you create limitlessness is by like expanding the context and the parameters and the container for what you desire to experience and who you desire to become in the process. And 
yeah, so like in the context of my my physical body, for example, I desire the experience of vitality. I desire to live my life in a body that feels vital and strong and capable and thriving and that creates confidence for me. And I know that that's going to happen. And these are all just little micro blips along the way. There's like a million things I want to add to that, but I feel like I just want to do that. Oh my gosh, feel free. <laughs> well, I, I, something that came up as you were saying that is there's a level of acceptance of like accepting yeah. the process that you're in. And I, I love what you just shared about the, um, I don't remember the language you just used, but basically, you know, expanding your, um, expanding your vision to be like, uh, I want, I want vitality versus I want to feel better tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. That we have, when we have that sort of bigger perspective, then we can actually accept what's happening to us right now. And we fully acknowledge it too. You know, it's like, oh, if this is actually getting me to where I want to go, like what, what's, let me take a look around for a second. What am I, what am I feeling? What are the emotions that are moving through me? What am I like physically sensing? Because that's all information that could maybe even help me to understand how this experience is helping me to get where I desire to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting actually. Like one of the things that I often work on and with and in with myself and, and my clients is the capacity for holding, casting, and then embodying vision. Mm-hmm. And much like the experience of play, I think visioning is an extension of play. It's creation. It's this like vortex of potentiality a lot of us in our adulthood have become very disconnected from the capacity to be in that energy, from the capacity to be audacious, from the capacity to be intimately connected with our desires in a way that is really unapologetic. And as we start to learn through the building of safety, through self-awareness, through presence, through all of these embodiment practices, these these mastery experiences, we then start to expand the container, our capacity, our resilience, our bandwidth to hold and then emanate higher levels of vision. And when we get to that space where vision can expand as much as it needs to, that's where it becomes so much easier to come back to things like emotional maturity and neutrality and presence because there's no there's there's no circumstantial ingredient in your experience that you're having that's pr- placing pressure on anything mm-hmm. yeah yeah, and I, I feel like a big piece of that, of expanding the container is 
um, is allowing yourself to feel those like negative, if you will, emotions, like to feel that pain and discomfort. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what came to mind when you said that, like so many people don't let themselves dream or don't let themselves actually like come face to face with what they desire. Like, because what if you don't get that? There's this like deep fear of if I say it and I don't get it, like the grief that I'll like, like the heartbreak that I would experience, like to not get that. Like, and you kind of, I don't know, you, you kind of have to face that. I think when you say, when you speak your desire out loud or when you recognize it within yourself, you're basically saying like, it's worth the heartbreak. I mean, this is like love, like it's worth the heartbreak mm-hmm. <laughs> because like, that's how on fire I am about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and as we're speaking to embodiment, right, you're your embodiment is not conditional upon ideal circumstances. <laughs> embodiment means <laughs> that you can hold and be with and lead yourself with dignity through the whole experience. Mm-hmm. Whether it's you collapsing and your inner child having a tantrum or being afraid or crying, whether it is anticipation and excitement or whether it's the neutrality of both of those in the midst of that situation or circumstance and embodiment can't happen if you're not able to hold duality Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I'm just gonna (laughs) I always just like to leave some space. (laughs) I feel like it's all just like settling into me, just like reinforcing in my body. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I love these conversations because as much as this is something that I teach on and that I'm – I have – embodied high high layers of proficiency or levels of proficiency with all of these conversations are me teaching me it's like the 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 mastery process with this stuff never ends embodiment never ends like you said earlier it's this deepening relationship of mastery and like just as you think you've hit the upper limits of your proficiency. I I wrote a post about this a little while ago. Just as you feel like you've hit the upper edges of your proficiency, you enter a new octave, you enter a new bandwidth, and then you're a beginner again. And there's new depth and there's new nuance and there's new experiences that are going to invite you into more breadth and capacity with holding a certain experience. Yeah. And can I tell you, I used to hate that. That was like the most frustrating thing ever. (laughs) I'd be like, I finally figured it out. Like I'm in ecstasy. I'm like, wow, I can't believe I just like got to this space. And then something would happen and I'd be like, well, what's even the point if I can't, like, what am I doing then if I can't (laughs) be at the top? Yeah. 
I I mean, my inner perfectionist hated that as well. And I mean, I'm, I definitely am somebody who, when I try something, I have very high expectations that I'm going to like get it and I'm going to be perfect at it. And that's just going to be that. And then I can move on to the next thing. And in my adulthood, especially, I used to be very the opposite to this when I was younger, but in my adulthood, I've really had to learn to be a student again of life and just like recognize. And I, I love the saying, um, I, I'm probably going to butcher it, but the the people that come into higher levels of knowledge, like the more you know, the more you know you know nothing. And it's <laughs> yeah. like I can't even begin to express how accurate that is. It's just like – Every time I receive mastery or proficiency or embodiment in something, it's like the the aperture that I was seeing the world through expands a little bit more. And then I'm like, oh, oh, I have so much more to discover about this and to play with and to experience. And like, it's just this constant opening of the aperture that you get to see and experience life through. <laughs> yeah, and you know what, what helped me? Because I also am a am a, uh, a recovering perfectionist. Dare I say I'm past? I'm almost past. <laughs> yeah. <recovering. laughs> um, play. <laughs> I think play has been the solution for me. Yeah. And it it's the even just the mm, the perspective of play. Like there's no pressure. There's no expectation because guess what? There is no like top level like there you you don't get to a point where you like win life like there's no end to it it's just constantly expanding so there's no pressure so just like have a good time with it like that's hard yeah it's hard maybe go through the feelings of being disappointed that you didn't do it the right way the first time and then be like okay but you know fuck it we're just trying things out Mm Hmm. yeah and I think that takes a lot of like grace with yourself it can be really confronting and humbling to be experiencing life through play because those are the situations where all of the protectionary mechanisms and that the distortions of conditioning and just learned protective behaviors, they start to like come up fiercely. And I think the more peace you can have in the process of play and the more presence you can have in the process of play, the easier it becomes to not stuff those down, but to see them and acknowledge them and name them. And compost them and invite them into this like renewing experience of okay I I see your desire for belonging and the way that you're doing that is through perfection and also everyone on this planet messes things up and the mess is really fun so come have fun in that (laughs) totally (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I love all of the layers that we've gone into here. (laughs) Um, is there anything else you 
want to touch on with respect to just how embodiment has become just woven into the way you walk in the world. Like what does that what does that look like? What are your practices? What do you lean on to continue honing and refining how you emanate embodiment? Mm. <laughs> There's just so much depth in this whole conversation. My mind is like, I could go this direction, <laughs> this direction, or this way. <laughs> I'll go with the, the first thing that came to mind um, is gratitude, which is funny because I, I feel like I used to have a lot of like resistance. Like I, I used to be resistant to, I guess, the practice of gratitude. Like people say like, wake up and write, five, start your day, write five things in your notebook that you're grateful for. And I just always, I don't know. I just never, that never really worked for me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, even like just, at, you know, in the middle of our conversation here, I just had a moment where I was like, wow, this is really fun. Like, let me like, I, I guess I sort of the practice that I use is I sort of stop myself throughout my day to like, to like take a look around. I was like, wow, this is really fun. Like, I haven't talked to Kelsey in a while. And like, I have so much gratitude sitting here <laughs> talking to you. Like, like, this is my life. Like I get to like, and I, this is my life. And I'm here because, because of my devotion to following my heart to, to following those, those desires and following what feels right for me. And that happens. I do that. I, I guess that is a, a something that's become sort of ingrained, but maybe it's something that I had to work on initially is like, like stopping to smell the roses. Like when it's nice outside, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's nice. Okay. We're doing things. And being like, no, it's nice outside. Like take a minute and look at how beautiful these trees are. Like smell the air, feel the wind on your skin. Like actually letting myself experience the moment and it just, it just ripples like gratitude through me. Like, wow, I'm really here right now living this life. Even if it's like, wow, I'm in so much pain right now. This is incredible. This is extraordinary. Yeah. I love what you just said about that. I, my partner and I go for walks all the time in our neighborhood and we're really fortunate. We live like right along the river and there's all these beautiful river pathways that are just – they're like little forest hikes in the city. And I have like a, a love affair with foraging and like identifying plants and I'm just – I'm so excited about the natural world. And a lot of the time we'll be walking and I'll just like my, – my breath will be taken away and I'll be like <gasps> – look, there's a patch of yarrow over there. And I'll like run over and I'll stick my face into the ground and I'll just sniff them. And he's always just like, oh my gosh, this is the cutest thing I've ever seen. You're like, a, you're like a kid. You just like, you see something and you're just so enamored with it. And you just think it's the most miraculous thing that you've ever seen. And it is like when you're, when you're fully present with the experience, like there's there's a couple of – I think they're called heritage roses. They're like these bright fuchsia pink roses. And 
I wouldn't have known that they were the best smelling flower on planet Earth unless I had stuck my face into it three years ago. And just like, I almost got stung by a bee doing it. But um, now every time I see it, it's just like, oh my God, this is God's gift to the flower kingdom. Like here it is and we get to experience it right now. And how amazing is that? And so I'll always like have a stop and like literally smell the roses. Um, (laughs) But- like just imagine like what you would miss if you you didn't take the time to do that and i think a lot of people conditioning or distraction or whatever it is that that keeps them more in their minds than in their body and in the moment but there are so many miracles that are right under your nose that you're missing mm-hmm. and the more you can start practicing these these micro moments of just observing like what is around me right now that I get to just fully take in Mm. like fully take in the world becomes so abundant and so rich and so just fascinating and in that experiencing of reality a hundred percent of the time come my most profound lessons, come the most beautiful inspiration, comes the most profound wisdom. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that to me is just like the ultimate like gift of playing with presence and embodiment. Exactly. Exactly. And because it's all like, it's all right here, right now. Like those – I, I feel like for so long I waited for like those lightning bolt moments to hit me and be like, wow, I've had this profound, you know, awakening or just I expected it to be so big and loud. And actually it is in those, I love that word you use, those micro moments, like that moment of just like my heart bursting open is available to me, like literally everywhere, literally right here, like in this small, like seemingly insignificant moment if I take that, that time to slow down and actually like, you know, be in my body to actually like to be with it, to like give it, give that moment like the honor and treat it as sacred because it is. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. And I mean, this is one of the ultimate access points. There's the people – one of the the most common desires that I hear people express is to experience wealth, to experience abundance, to experience provision, resource, money. Mm-hmm. This is one of the most primordial access points to experiencing wealth. It's like, are you even awake and available to see the wealth in front of you? Mm-hmm. And if not, how can you possibly – think that you're open to receiving even higher levels of wealth mm-hmm. if you're refusing to experience the wealth that is already in your hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And because wealth, wealth is, a, is a state of mind, right? Like it doesn't actually – it doesn't actually matter how much money is in your bank account. Like we just be hundred percent real it actually does not matter. It's how you feel about it. It's that, it's that frequency of wealth. And that comes to you, not just in the, in money, 
just like you said, it happens in all in that deeper experiencing of life. Yeah. One other thing that I actually wanted to bring to the table today, and this is something that um, as I was sitting with my girlfriend the other day receiving a treatment, we were having a conversation about money and about the power of naming and being honest with what's real and alive and present for you. And money is something that I very much desire to experience higher levels of right now. Like it's something that I know is going to be an incredible gateway for me to do really profound levels of good in the world. And what was really fascinating is up until like two days ago, as I kind of took stock of my relationship with this conversation as a whole, I was recognizing my avoidance to even name it. I would call it everything other than money. I would speak to wealth. I would speak to abundance. I would speak to resource. I would speak to provision. I would speak to divine providence. I would speak to all of these things and not name the facet of it that I desired to experience as well. And (laughs) I think a lot of us, especially in these spiritual rooms, these coaching rooms, these the ecosystem online, there's a lot of trigger. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of criticism that orbits people willing to have these conversations. There's also a lot of distortion in these conversations. But I think there's something really beautiful about the people who are actually willing to name what it is that they desire and what they want to work with exactly as it is. And I think that to me is a facet of embodiment that we find the most creative ways to skirt around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in that moment of naming it, your goat, there's like so much alchemy happening. Like in naming it, you're you're facing that that fear and that potential of heartbreak of not getting it. You're experiencing that like that hopefulness, that like excitement, that expansiveness in it. And uh and it's it there it is there is something powerful when you name when you name the thing that your heart is really craving. It's different to just be like, like if I just said like, I want to experience more money right now, that may not necessarily be true for me, but because it's got that charge behind it for you, like when you speak it, it's like the alchemy happens at all, all at one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I think of it too, like I've been playing a lot with wording as I'm weaving together components of ceremony of service right now. And the most recent post that I speak to was this experience being this incubator of cleaning up these very mm, almost cliche paradigms of experiencing things. Like when people say business as usual, can that be cleaned up into being ceremonial sacred service? When people say it runs in the family, can you clean up the programs and patterns and paradigms of your lineage by leading a new story, writing a new narrative? When somebody speaks to money and says it as, I want to be filthy rich, can we clean that up? Can we create clean money, clean resource, clean abundance that gets to be circulated instead of hoarded? And 
I don't think, I don't think that cleanup can happen. I don't think that alchemy can happen. I don't think embodying a higher potentiality and a blueprint for that can happen until we're being radically honest with what is and what could be and how we're leading the connective tissue between the two. Totally agreed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this has like very much been on my mind in the last couple of days. So <laughs> thanks for I receiving feel, that. <laughs> yeah. I honestly like I just as you were speaking, I was like, I feel really like I feel really excited. I, I feel like hearing you say that and, and seeing um other people who I feel like are really here to I guess, initiate a new way of being. It's like, I see, I used to feel like it's not happening fast enough. Like, why is it not here already? Like, we want to do these things. Like, come on. And now, like, being more comfortable with that, like, slowness and that that bigger picture, I'm just like, wow, look at how much, like, the fact that we get to feel all of this out and have the conversation and, like, we're just, like, stretching it out and getting, like, the depth and all of it that, like, I just feel so excited for this to be happening and to be a part of this experience and to like watch it come to fruition because it's just going to be like the most like incredible blossoming. And like, I just hearing you talk about it. It's like, here's a couple petals that are like. Open <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, one of the things that I, as we were speaking to like expanding the context, um, a big theme for me is playing with legacy and like how my lifetime is going to go beyond me. Mm-hmm. And even if my the fruit of my labor, the fruition of my vision or the impact of my contribution is not realized in my lifetime, I am no less devoted to offering my life force into the creation and birthing of these more beneficent paradigms and these more whole systems because when I think about what I want to leave behind and I think about my children or my grandchildren or whoever in my lineage or my my earth lineage comes after me, I desire so profoundly for them to experience the beauty that I envision possible. That's incredible. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just, I think, and like this to me, it, it was really uncomfortable for me to even articulate something so big picture, even like six months ago. I was like, like, And even now there are certain rooms that I get into and have conversations like this and certain people are not ready to hear it. And that's one of the um, realities of being ahead of your time, of being a visionary, of being a leader, an innovator, somebody who's going first. People are not going to get it and that's okay. <laughs> That's a fun one to overcome, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very pokey. <laughs> Still working on that one. Yeah. 
Yeah. How, okay, I want to invite you into playing with legacy and big vision right now personally. Um, (laughs) I've shared a little bit about the context around my work. Um, What are you, what do you feel called to create with your lifetime? Oh my gosh, that's such an exciting big question. Um, you know, I, what I see right now is I am much less attached to what it looks like, uh, as I am to what it feels like. Um, yeah. So to me, like, I mean, what I just feel like completely devoted to is just, just being here and having an experience and like, and like really, I don't know, really getting to have what I view as the human experience, which is to like fully experience the depth of every single moment. And I imagine, because it already happened, that in being in that space, there will be so much beauty that will be created from that and so many, so many different types of creations and, and even like even in talking about like my business, it just, it, it looks so different. It feels so different than it has. Like it's already taken on so many different forms and I feel so unattached to, yeah, the tangible side of it as I am to like the frequency behind it. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I think on that note, is there is there anything you feel excited to touch on before we complete the conversation? Mm-hmm. I, I do feel like I want to add this to what I just said. Um, I feel yes. like I've been in an, <laughs> in an interesting space lately where um, how do I like frame this? Um, I feel. Okay, basically, I've made the decision that I'm going to be selfish, (laughs) that I've kind of come to this space where I'm like, I'm going to do what feels right for me. I'm going to do what feels best because I know, I trust, I I know with my whole being that when I follow my heart, when I follow those impulses, that magnetism, those desires, that is aligning me with, with the collective and with our greater greater good. Um, and so I feel like I've, I've kind of taken, yeah, I've, I've taken a very big step back from doing things for other people, even in my business. I'm like, I'm not, I don't know. I've kind of had like a fuck it attitude about it. Cause I think I've I've needed that attitude (laughs) to be like, I'm here to like give you anything or do anything for you. Like I'm here to, to follow my heart. And I know I can see that that ripples from that look like other people then following their hearts, but that's not why I'm doing it. And I think that's also part of why the frequency of it all feels more important to me than what it looks like, because it's not, I don't need to create something tangible because I'm not here to make something for anybody else. I'm here to be devoted to, to the heart within me, which is like the heart within all of us. <laughs> Yes. 
Oh my god, there it is. There it is, the coherence. <laughs> Literally your level of coherence and the 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 tone and the texture and the signature that you emanate into the world because you are coming from a place of self-sourcing, i.e. your sacred relationship with you and creation, with you and God. It's it's a conversation and a dance that is constantly happening within you has ripple effects, but those ripple effects are like the cherry on top. It's the byproduct. When you're so devoted to your coherence, other people can't help but be impacted by the resonance of your field. Yeah. I love it. That is one hell of a vision, McKenna. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean that that is such a such a powerful foundation to do anything from. And I don't even I, I know you use the word like selfish, but I don't even resonate anymore with that being selfish, like to me, selfish is like a, an authentically self-serving person who is willing to like squash or harm another being in order to get ahead. And that is not what you just spoke to. What you spoke to is actually an incredibly benevolent way of moving through the world because it's when, when you're so full, you're everything above and beyond what your needs and desires require of you will just automatically spill into the people around you and the world around you. <laughs> I can't, it feels, it just feels like amazing to, to, for you to know that because that is, I, I feel, and maybe this is just something that I'm navigating, but I feel that this concept of whatever you want to call it, not being selfish, just like listening, following my heart is not something, most people don't understand that. Most people see it as being selfish. And that is, it's taken me a long yep. time to, like, I really did have to be like, fuck it, <laughs> because I felt so much resistance because I think that to somebody who doesn't understand, who is used to maybe martyring or feeling like an obligation to take care of other people, it looks like, what, you're just going to not care about anybody anymore? And so it just feels like hearing you say that, I'm like, yes, thank you. I'm so glad you understand. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's like – when you are God-led, self-contained, sovereign, coherent, and offering, contributing, creating from that space, that's that's clean. That's purified. When you're creating or offering or contributing from self-sacrifice, mm. that's perpetuating exploitative, predatory, extortionary realities and paradigms. And to me, that is – that's icky. That's what we're moving away from. So um, we we can create better collectively and it starts by honoring 
our own heart, our own blueprint, our own coherence on an individual level, the more well an individual is, the more well the collective has the potential to be. Yeah. <laughs> How are you feeling? Are you feeling complete? <sighs> yes. Beautiful. Okay. Well, y'all, this was McKenna. She's brilliant. Um, I want to just invite you, give you the stage to share how you prefer to be connected with, how people can get in your energy experience, you work with you, co-create with you, all the things. Yeah, the the best way to get in contact with me is through Instagram at Emerald Earth Empress. Uh, And I do offer like a one-on-one mentorship and one-on-one sessions. It's kind of my offerings are sort of changing, although maybe a better way to put that is uh, really create the offering based on whoever's in my field. So it, usually it's something that we co-create together. But yes, the best way to like hear mm-hmm. about any new offerings I have, there's also a link to my website, um, which I know we'll have linked. It's going to be changing soon. So using my Instagram is the best way to, to <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. All of that will be in the show notes. And when you have an updated link, feel free to just send it over and I'll update the show notes for anyone that's listening past that point. Um, but yeah, if if you loved this conversation and you want to connect with McKenna, I definitely recommend you do. Like I said at the beginning, you are just such a bright, playful, soulful, inspired human being and I just feel very grateful to have you in my world and I'm really appreciative that you took the time to be on this podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Kelsey. (laughs) Wow. This conversation was just so rich with all of the things right now that feel just so alive and so present for me. And like I said, it's such a joy to share space with McKenna. She's just such a bright, wonderful person to connect with so if you haven't already connected with her over on instagram definitely do so and yeah if you loved this episode we would love to hear your thoughts rate review it connect with either of us and if you're loving the show please go ahead and subscribe on your favorite channels and share the podcast with your community. We always love having um, new members, listening, receiving, engaging with these conversations. They are meant to be the connective tissue that really brings all of us together. And lastly, before I let you go... If you have been catching and finding yourself piqued by the teasers, snippets, and conversations that I have shared around Ceremony of Service, I would highly encourage you to check out the link below and just trust your yes and feel into whether this is a room you want to be in. It's going to be a -a one-of-a-kind group experience, a ceremony truly of moving through the different layers uh, within the context of your contribution. So we get to transit through conversations that center around 
service contribution and what that gets to look like and feel like the different textures and experiences of service we move into creating connective tissue between your contribution and your lineage and unpacking the origin story of your contribution of your gifts and really giving thanks creating a space of recognition reverence and gratitude for the gifts and the wisdom that has come from your lineage we then transit into working with your leadership and what sacred leadership means and looks like how we are changing the context of leadership as a whole excuse my phone I took it off of do not disturb (laughs) we'll also be moving into new expressions of what it means to work with money with wealth with resource with um, liberation as well as an individual collectively and then leaving a legacy of liberation through your leadership um, and and through the way that you circulate that wealth and wisdom so this is a really special experience and this is a room that I know is going to move the needle in terms of how leadership gets to ripple through the collective and just bring through the tangible and realized emanation of those of you who are here for a significant contribution so the link to ceremony of service will be down below alongside all of the links to access mckenna mckenna's containers her instagram and the like so yeah i highly recommend you checking out the show notes and just trusting your yes and following your inner guidance to move where God is moving you. Anyways, thank you for being here and I'll catch you on the next episode.